Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the book of Romans with this message entitled, God Condemns Hypocrisy. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 2. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray. Open the scriptures to us. And today's portion of scripture particularly speaks to us about hypocrisy. It is especially a plague among leaders. Lord, have mercy upon us. Help us to hear your word. And may your word penetrate our secret recesses of heart, exposing our hypocrisy, that we may dispose of it by the blood of Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hypocrisy. Now you remember Eliot Spitzer, as a prosecutor, he prosecuted prostitutes. And his image, he cultivated for a long time of a tough prosecutor, a law and order man. Then we learned that he resigned as governor of New York because he was consorting with prostitutes for many years, especially call girl number nine. He was a hypocrite. A hypocrite practices the opposite of what he preaches. A hypocrite is an actor. Ted Haggard, the former pastor of the very large New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and a leader of National Association of Evangelicals, spoke against homosexuality and drug use. But he was a hypocrite. And he was removed from his position because of his consorting with homosexual like Mike Jones and his use of meth. I'm sure you heard of Senator Larry Craig He is known for his wide stance in the airport bathroom. He is a hypocrite. You also remember the pathetic evangelists like Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart. Also, Jeremiah Wright, who has a lot of things wrong with him. Pastor of Mr. Obama. He pastors, or used to, an Afrocentric church. He's for the black man. He's for the underdog. He's known for his anti-white, anti-Semitic, and anti-America 
value system. Yet you heard that he lives in a multi-million dollar mansion in a white exclusive neighborhood, not in a poor black neighborhood, with a 10 million credit line from the church. I say he is a hypocrite. Fallen man is a sinful man and he is a hypocrite. We all have varying degrees of hypocrisy in us. This sin of hypocrisy is particularly a problem for leaders, politicians, judges, parents, pastors, and so on. James said, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You remember the story of the woman caught in the very act of adultery. His self-righteous accusers could not stone her to death because they were committing the same sins and were convicted by Jesus Christ. So we read in chapter 2 of Romans, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Jesus Christ alone was without hypocrisy. Righteous, he alone was sinless. He even challenged his enemies, saying, can anyone convict me of sin? I remember many years ago, a woman came to me for counseling, carrying a very huge Bible, I would say at least three times heavier than this. And she had this Bible in her hands. Only later I knew she was living an immoral life. Paul, in chapter 2 of Romans, beginning with verse 17 through the end of the chapter, destroys the false confidence of the Jews by exposing their hypocrisy. And I hope when you read that passage, every time you see Jew, you read Christian. And Jesus did the same. He taught his disciples in Matthew 23, you must obey the teachers of the law and Pharisees who sit in the seat of Moses and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. The whole chapter, Matthew 23, is an expose and denunciation of the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders. 
Turn to Matthew 23, beginning with verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And you find that word hypocrite several times. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside. You know, today in this television age, image is all that matters. Image. Perception. Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, notice, you appear to people. This is very important. Appear to people. As righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. May God's Holy Spirit this morning expose our Christian hypocrisy to dispose of it by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I want to speak three things to you. First, the image. Second, the contradiction. And the third, the reality. The image. St. Paul uses eight verbs to describe the privileges and status and the blessings of the Jewish people in Romans 2, 17 through 20. He calls himself a Jew. That's the first one. He calls himself a Jew. The word Jew means praise to God. He is the chosen one. He is a child of Abraham with whom God entered into a covenant. A Jew, being now any descendant of Jacob, was a covenant child. The Bible says salvation was of the Jews. And Jesus himself was a Jew. The Jew looked down upon the Gentiles who they called dogs. He was pleased with himself. He was superior to the Gentiles. Simply being born a Jew. Turn with me to the book of Revelation and listen to what Jesus says there. Chapter 2 and verse 9. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Second, the Jew rested in the law. That is in the Old Testament. He possessed the Bible. He thought possessing of the word of God would save him and exempt him from the judgment and wrath of God. Yes, Gentiles are under the wrath of God, not us Jews. We possess superior knowledge. We are given the special revelation of God's law. But listen to prophet Micah in chapter 3. Verse 11 and 12. Her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. Her prophets tell fortune for money. Yet they lean 
upon the Lord and they say he is not the Lord among us no disaster will come upon us their security was a false one in Romans 2 verse 13 we read for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous hypocrites shall be condemned number three they boast in God the Jews boasted they had the true God it was true the Gentiles worshipped idols their God was a national asset the glory in God of course as John Murray says is the greatest act of piety Isaiah tells us that we are created for his glory. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.31 Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. But a hypocrite, really, when he boasts in God, he is boasting in himself. Number four, it says the Jew knows God's will. The Jews quotes the Bible. He condemns the view of the Gentiles. He has special revelation. He knows God's will is revealed in the Bible. But it is only an intellectual knowledge. Yes, he delights in an argument about the will of God. He is orthodox. So also the devil. Orthodoxy without orthopraxy cannot save anyone. This is not just a Jewish problem. Today it is more a Christian problem. It is the problem of those who pride themselves as evangelicals. They know God's will, but they refuse to submit to it in practice. And I'm reading a whole theological book that speaks about how conservatives in this country have abandoned obedience and holiness in favor of antinomian lawlessness. To such the Lord would say on that day, depart from me, you workers of anomia lawlessness. Number five, he is approved, he approves God's will. The Jews were able to discern what is excellent, what is moral, what is right. They had a moral consciousness based not on conscience but on God's special revelation. They approved the Ten Commandments in theory but not in practice. Number six, they are instructed in the law. The Jews, as God's people, were catechized in the word of God. Father had that responsibility to teach children in God's law. Home was a place of teaching the Bible. They also went to the local church, that is, the synagogue. Jesus attended the synagogue every Sabbath. 
and there he learned God's word. It was his custom. Synagogue was a place of worship as well as a school to teach the law of God. And it was also taught in the temple in Jerusalem. So we see Jesus discussing scriptures with the doctors of the law in the temple. And number seven, he is convinced of certain responsibilities he has toward the Gentiles, toward the world. He had certain obligations in view of the entrustment of this special revelation to the Jew. First, a guide to the blind. The Gentiles are blind to the truth of the scriptures and it was the responsibility to guide the Gentiles into the truth. But let's see how Jesus Christ spoke about this guiding in Matthew 15 and verse 14. Leave them, that is the leaders, the Pharisees. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. They were total failures, in other words, as a guide to the blind. And also they were light for those in darkness. Israel's mission was to be light to the world. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. Isaiah 49, verse 6 and Isaiah 9. Verse 2 and many other portions of scripture clearly tell us what the responsibility of the Jew was to the Gentile. Number three, he was corrector of the foolish. The Jew with his knowledge of God's word corrects and rebukes and counsels the foolish, the Gentiles. Number four, he is the teacher of the infants. He's the teacher of those who know nothing of the word of God. Yes, the Jew was convinced of his obligations uh, to the world of the Gentiles. Turn with me to Matthew 23 and verse 15. How they were careful to fulfill this obligation. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert and when he becomes one you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Number eight is having in the law he did have in the law the embodiment of knowledge of the truth. The Jew possessed the Bible. The Bible revealed knowledge. Bible revealed truth. The very word of God. No such truth can be found anywhere else. Not in pagan wisdom and philosophies which St. Paul calls hollow philosophies. True truth was found in the Bible which was the inheritance of the Jewish people. Number two, the contradiction, the internal contradiction of the Jew. Romans 2, 21 through 24. It is not in the preaching that Jewish leaders failed. It is in their practice of the truth. His practice made him an actor. 
a hypocrite. In 21 through 24, Paul asks five diagnostic probing questions to expose the hypocrisy of the Jews who rested in their false security from divine judgment. And you read this type of insightful expose in the book of Revelation when God speaks to the church of Laodicea who said they had need of nothing. But Jesus said you are poor, you are miserable, you are wretched, you are blind, you are naked. You see it is wonderful to hear the self-exaltation and self-praise. It means nothing. What matters is what is God saying about you who sees all things in one view. First question is the problem with the Jews was they taught others God's law but they failed to teach themselves. They saw the speck very clearly in the other people's eyes but he failed to examine himself to see a telephone pole sticking out of his own eyes. This is especially the problem of parents and pastors and teachers. So Paul condemns the Jew for not teaching themselves. Number two, he asked this question. They preached against stealing, but they themselves practiced stealing. And in this situation, they were worse than thieves. In what way? Well, thieves don't go and teach, don't steal. They just go and steal. But these people taught it is wrong to violate God's commandment, but kept on stealing. Number three, they practiced, preached against adultery, but they themselves practiced adultery. Number four, they opposed idolatry of the pagans, but they themselves were robbing temples either to worship those idols or to sell those idols to make money. Number five, they bragged about their Bible, but they dishonored God by breaking the law in the Bible. What happened as a result, they blasphemed God's name among the Gentiles. Let me tell you, Gentiles, the unbelievers, they are all around us. And they are learning about our God. How? By our life and our conduct. So the Gentiles learned about the God of the Jews through their conduct. The people of God always reflect God. A lazy Christian reveals a God who is lazy. A lying Christian reveals a God who is lying. An adulterous Christian reveals a God who condones adultery. A defeated Christian reveals a powerless God. The Bible says God has created us for his glory. The Jews, as as Christians today, brought shame and dishonor to God. The glory of God is the greatest reality. The glory of God, not you, not me, 
glory of God is the greatest reality that he is consumed with. Heaven and hell and all creation exist to proclaim his glory. He will not tolerate anyone to diminish his glory through violations of his law. Sir, when your son doesn't obey you, he is dishonoring you. But more than that, he is dishonoring his God. So final judgment also is for God's glory. It is a necessity. There has to be a final judgment. Sir, be still when we fail to worship God as we ought. Be still when we fail to work hard for our employer. Be still when we fail to love our wives. Be still when we fail to train our children in piety. And we commit adultery. When we look lustfully another as Jesus taught us in Matthew 5. The late Dr. Boyce speaks about the first and second commandment. And he says we break the first and second commandment whenever we give some person or some object or some worldly aspiration the first place in our lives. A place that belongs to God alone. Often today the substitute God is ourselves or our image of ourselves. Dr. Stott says about the first and second commandment. It is to see all things from God's point of view. And do nothing without reference to him. To make his will our guide and his glory our goal. To put him first in thought, word and deed. In business and in leisure. In friendships and in career. In the use of our money, time and talents at work. And at home. Let pastor and elders apply this truth to themselves. Fathers and mothers and teachers. May God help you to apply this truth to yourselves. Jesus said to the Jews who boasted in the law. Let's turn to John 5 and verse 45. These people prided themselves to be keepers of God's law. In chapter 5, verse 45 of John, but do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. Jesus exposes our hypocrisy. He sees our image and our contradictions. Our outside and our inside. Look at the foolish virgins. They thought they were authentic Christians. But Jesus told them, I never knew you. Depart from me. For in Matthew 7, people came, Christians, they came and declared, we cast out demons, we performed miracles, and we prophesied in your name. They are Christians. They were hypocrites. And Jesus Christ says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Turn with me to 2 Samuel. We see how 
God exposes the hypocrisy of David. Second Samuel chapter 12. The story is there was a rich man who had a lot of cattle and sheep. And there was a poor man who bought a ewe lamb. And she grew in the house as a pet. Eating with and drinking with the owner. And sleeping with the owner. And so a traveler came to the rich man and he goes and steals this ewe lamb and kills and makes a feast for the visitor. And 2 Samuel 12 verse 5, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. How carefully and clearly people see other people's problem. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Now verse 7, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. May God speak to us. You are the man. I must not just preach to you only. I must preach to myself. If a preacher cannot manage his own house and himself. He cannot be an effective and God approved minister of the gospel. So every time I preach I must preach to myself first. Turn with me to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. The psalm of Asaph, verse, beginning with verse 16. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you. Number three, the reality that God is interested in. The reality. Verse 25 through 29. Finally, Paul drives the Jew out of his final resting place. Circumcision. Circumcision was older than the law. It was given to Abraham as a sign and seal of God's covenant of promise. Unlike the Gentiles, the Jew was proud of his circumcision. It set him apart from unbelievers and the unsaved. But circumcision was only a sign. It was not the reality. It pointed to the reality of the, of the relational life to God. In faithful obedience to the Lord of the covenant. Friends, to confuse sign with reality is the epitome of the epitome of hypocrisy. So also Christians, they glory in their Christian nationality. Christian family background, 
their baptism, their Christian marriage, their Christian church membership, and their Bible. But we can be Christian hypocrites who glory in outward things when we lack the inner reality of a life of obedience. Paul tells us he received apostleship for the purpose to call the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. God condemns the Jewish hypocrite and Christian hypocrite who glory in image. But the heart is corrupt. The sign of circumcision or baptism can never take us to heaven. Karl Barth said this, the heroes of God without God may be compared to a traveler who remains standing under the signpost instead of moving in the direction to which it directs him. The signpost has become meaningless. Friends, baptism is not magic. Circumcision is not magic. They cannot save anyone. They are profitable if the inner reality of a new heart exists. New life exists. Our problem is our wicked heart. So we must be born again by the Holy Spirit. Baptism like circumcision is a sign and seal of the reality of our covenant relation with God of our covenant life of delightful obedience, sign and seal of the reality that we are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, pleasing to God. So we can say this way, circumcision minus obedience, as Dr. John Piper says, means a Jew has become a pagan. But uncircumcision plus obedience means a Gentile has now become a true Jew. Physical circumcision like physical baptism can achieve nothing. We need a circumcision of our heart performed not by man but by God himself. Turn with me to some scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 30, where there is the promise, the Bible speaks about circumcise your heart. And then here it is, chapter 30 of Deuteronomy and verse 6, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord must do it. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Now finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. He's speaking about unbelieving Jews. That's what he's speaking about. It's the, it's the utmost insult he can heap upon unbelieving Jews. Those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, who gloried in their physical circumcision. 
Now he says, but it is we who are circumcision. We are those who are circumcised in our heart by the Spirit of God. We who worship by the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh in external things. And elsewhere we, he speaks that there is no difference between Jew and Gentiles. They all are on equal footing before God. Friends, God does not look upon our appearance. He looks upon our heart, a heart circumcised by the Spirit. Recreated by the miracle of regeneration. A heart that responds to God. Thinks God's thoughts. Wills God's will. And rejoices always in God our Savior. Don't trust in baptism or circumcision. As the unbelieving Jews did. Let me read a quotation. Rabbi Menachem. In commentary. In his commentary. On the books of Moses says. Our rabbins have said that no circumcised man will see hell. And another rabbi says circumcision saves from hell. And another says God swore to Abraham that no one who was circumcised should be sent to hell. That's a lie. God didn't swear to anybody. And then, isn't this wonderful? Another rabbi said, Abraham sits before the gate of hell and does not permit that any circumcised Israelite should enter there. He is looking for circumcision. All right, you cannot go in there. This is the type of stupid belief in image and externals that God condemns you know a ring is a sign of marriage is that true but if you do not love your wife and live with her under God's word you have no marriage you have no reality 41 years ago I got married in India we did not have rings the church did not believe in rings it is a Puritan church it is more Puritan than Puritans in England. It did not make any difference. After 41 years, we still love one another and live under God's word governing marriage. No, I finally paid $15 (laughs) and got one. So do not boast in rings, signs, baptism, or circumcision. Boast in the Lord because he has given you a new heart circumcised by the Spirit. The law of God is not written on a stone or on a paper. We belong to the new covenant. The law is written in our heart. It is part of our new nature. We like, we like the saints of the old, delight in the law of the Lord. Circumcision or baptism has no intrinsic value. Without the reality it points to. That is regeneration, repentance, faith, justification, adoption, sanctification and so on. Without holiness no one will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. 
The true church of God consists of all Jews and Gentiles who are circumcised by the Spirit. They love and serve God without hypocrisy. They all are on equal footing before God. They are the Israel of God. Our praise is not of men, our praise is from God. The world hates the people of God. The world hates me for right now for preaching the gospel. Maybe there's somebody here sitting there and hating me all the time as I preach the gospel. I know this. But God praises and will glorify us. He would commend us saying, Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Friends, God's wrath is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in wickedness. Gentiles are not exempt. Jews are not exempt. Christians are not exempt. In fact, Christians will be most severely judged due to the greater light of the gospel they now possess. Listen to Charles Hodge formerly of Princeton, the late Charles Hodge. Whenever true religion declines, the disposition to lay undue stress on external rights is increased. The Christian church, when it lost its spirituality, taught that water baptism washed away sin how large a part of nominal Christians rest all their hopes on the idea of the inherent efficacy of external rights. Friends, there is only one way out of all this problem. The gospel of God's Son. The gospel of God. Mighty to save. Christ died for our sins and raised for our justification. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Friends, repent today of all hypocrisy. Ask the Holy Spirit direct your heart. Repent. God will forgive us. Listen to what God spoke through Samuel to Saul the hypocrite. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, send your Spirit upon us. Search our hearts. Expose our hypocrisy. That we may confess our sins and be completely forgiven by you. That we may serve you with all our heart, mind, soul and strength in our integrity. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory audio of the sermon entitled, God Condemns Hypocrisy. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.